Good morning, welcome. Thank you so much for joining us here today. I'm Micah, this is Sarah. We're the lead pastors at the Vine Church in Pasco, Washington. And what a season we are in. Just having finished Thanksgiving, now we look towards Advent and Christmas. The holiday season has arrived and we're excited to get to celebrate it together this morning. Absolutely. So this morning we're beginning our season of Advent. And when I think of Advent, I think of waiting. And so all week we've been thinking talking about Advent and talking about waiting. And it really made me reminisce to when I was pregnant with our first child. When I was pregnant with Alyssa, it was a brand new experience. And you know how some women are just glowing when they're pregnant and they're so happy and they look so good. That was not me. I did not love being pregnant. (laughs) Love our daughter, but I did not love being pregnant. It was such a hard season. And it was a season of of waiting mixed. So there was challenge to it, but there was also some excitement and anticipation in it. And I remember it, the, the moment that will forever stick with me. Uh, we had some complications with uh, our pregnancy with Alyssa. And so we had a scheduled C-section. And I remember there's some confusion when we were scheduling it and we confirmed with the doctor, you know, is this, is this the time? Is this mm. the date? And, and he said, yes, this is when you're supposed to be at the hospital. And so the night before, I couldn't sleep. I'm tossing and turning. I'm just anticipating, waiting, excited and nervous for this big event. And we get to the hospital and they look at us and say, you guys have the wrong date. You just need to go home. And in that moment, mm. we were just devastated because here we were on the cusp of our first having our first child. And they sent us home. Waiting can be such a beautiful experience, but also a really challenging experience. Yeah. So similarly, in the season of Advent, we're uh, waiting upon or anticipating looking towards the coming or uh, the arrival mm-hmm. of Jesus. The Latin word um, Adventus means uh, arrival or coming. And so in this season, uh, we're awaiting Jesus coming in a couple of respects. Uh, first of all, uh, we're anticipating looking towards the celebration that is Christmas and the remembrance of Jesus' birth in that season. Uh, but in addition, as followers of Jesus, we're awaiting his second coming. We are people who believe in resurrection and hope and that Jesus is coming again. So in the season, as we anticipate Christmas, we also anticipate Jesus' second coming. So today, the first Sunday of Advent, we're going to be talking about hope. And and we're going to look at the story of Zechariah and Elizabeth. And we chose this story because it's a story of waiting. And they were waiting, hopefully. And so the definition of hope, I think that word can mean different things to different people. So we want to define that that word from the beginning. The biblical definition of hope is waiting expectantly on God, waiting with anticipation, waiting for God to work. And this is very different than some sort of fickle optimism or positivity. This is a confidence that God is going to act because we know who God is. So it's a confidence and expectation based on who God is and what God is doing. So we're going to be in the first chapter of the book of Luke. And Luke is telling the story of Jesus, of his life, his death, his resurrection. And of course, begins with his birth. It is interesting, though, that Luke throws in one story prior to the story of Jesus' birth. And it's this story that we'll look at today. It's a story of Jesus' cousin going to be born, uh, John. And it's 
kind of foreshadowing of the story that's going to develop uh, with Mary and told you're going to have a child and all of that. So today we read out of Luke chapter one, beginning in verse in verse five. Uh, in the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. How's that? There you go. His wife, Elizabeth, was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive, and they were both very old. So we have our two two main characters in this story that have been introduced so far, Zachariah and Elizabeth. And they're both Levites, so they're descendants of Aaron. Zachariah is a priest, and they're both very very old is what it says. Yes. <laughs> they were well along in years. They were past their childbearing years yes. is what it's referring to. That's yeah. the significant part. And they had no children. And in this time and in this culture, not being able to have children was a, was a really devastating thing for them. It was really important for them to be able to have children and pass their lineage on. Absolutely. And, and so there's an interesting paradox in here that we don't recognize as readily as the first century mm-hmm. audience, Israelite audience, would recognize this immediately. It says that they're blameless and yet childless. You see, quite often things like the inability to have children or something like that in the eyes of the first century readers would relate to sin in their life or something for some reason they're prevented from being able to have a child. But this very very clearly says that's not the case. Uh, They were blameless. They were living right in the eyes of God and yet At this point, they had had no children. They were unable to have children. And so the story goes on in verse 8. Once when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshipers were outside praying. Okay, so these uh, priests, these descendants of Aaron, had very specific roles in the nation of Israel. Uh, They were to officiate the offerings and the ceremonies that took place in the temple and throughout Israel and its history. And so they would do uh, these offerings throughout the year. The the liturgical calendar was full of events where people would travel to Jerusalem or a priest and he would offer up um, these uh, sacrifices or ceremonies, things like the burnt offerings offering or the meal offering, the sin offering, uh, the release of the scapegoat, the peace offering, or in this case today, this is an occasion for the incense offering. So a priest is going to go in and offer this incense in a ceremony. And it's interesting here, um, Zechariah was chosen by lot. Um, according to the custom. That means they cast the dice, right? They they cast some sort of dice to choose which priest would go in. And and it doesn't mention it here, but at this time, it's estimated about 18,000 priests served um, at some point in the temple. And so to be chosen to go in was actually an opportunity of a lifetime. It usually only happened, if it happened, one time for a person. So this was a really special occasion that 
that God orchestrated so that Zachariah could be in the temple in this moment. And you notice the significance of this moment. All the, the worshipers assembled outside, watching him enter and waiting for him to come out. Okay, so he's in there uh, beginning this process of offering the incense. Okay, and in verse 11, the story continues. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their God, uh, to um, to their children, and the obedient to the wisdom of the righteous, uh, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. So it starts off with an angel appearing to Zechariah. And as often the pattern goes with these encounters with angels, the angel appears and Zechariah is terrified. And the first word out of the angel's mouth is, do not be afraid. I have a message for you. And the angel says to Zechariah, your prayer has been heard. Your prayer has been heard because Zachariah and Elizabeth for a long, long time have been praying for a child. And the angel says, don't be afraid. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son. And he even goes further and says, you are to name him John. And names are really significant in this time and period. Often people were named after relatives or someone significant in their life. Um, but he says, you're to name him John. And John means Yahweh has been gracious. The Lord has been gracious. And so this is really good and big news for Zechariah. It's very big news because the angel describes to Zechariah who this child will be and uh, that this child will play an incredibly significant role in Israel and beyond. He says he will be a joy and a delight to you and will cause many people to rejoice. Many people will return to God, that John will be a part of the story of God's work in this world, of the good news, of the redemption that is coming, and that he'll be filled with the Holy Spirit. It describes even before birth, like he will be filled with the Spirit from the very beginning, and he will have uh, power and wisdom like Elijah. He mentions one of the forefathers, a prophet. Um, and he will be dedicated from the beginning of his life mm. to the Lord. And it mentions the no fermented drink. Uh, and there was like a Nazarite vow mm. in Israel that um, had to do with not cutting their hair or not drinking. Mm. So there's a story of um, Samson, mm. a man who had great power. He was a Nazarite. At any rate, this kind of alludes to the idea of a special dedication. Mm -hmm. From birth, he will be dedicated to God's purpose to play a special role. And one of those being preparing the way for Jesus, the Messiah who is coming. And that's so fascinating because here the angel saying, your prayers have been answered. 
here's how, and there's so much more to -hmm. the revelation than what I anticipate Zechariah and Elizabeth actually prayed for. Uh, Later on in Luke, in Luke chapter 3, Luke alludes to Isaiah 40, this prophecy about one who was to come before the Messiah. In Isaiah 40, verse 3, um, uh, it says this, A voice of one calling, In the wilderness prepare the way for the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. So the purpose, John the Baptist, was to prepare the way for the Messiah coming. Okay, so it is foretold this will happen. And then we uh, look ahead. In verse 18, it says, Zechariah asked, the angel. How can I be sure of this? I'm an old man and my wife is well along in her years. The angel said, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. I wonder if that's a little bit louder. Hey, hey, by the way, I am Gabriel. Like, hello. I stand in the presence of God and I'm here talking to you. It's time to listen, right? Verse 20. Uh, and now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens. That is when the child will mm-hmm. be born because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zachariah and wondering why has he stayed in the temple so long? When he came out, he could not speak to them. They realized he had seen a vision in the temple for he kept making signs to them, but remained unable to speak. When his time of service was completed, he returned home. After this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. The Lord has done this for me, she said. In these days, he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. So the angel appears to Zacharias, says, you and Elizabeth are going to have a child. At first, Zacharias is afraid, but then after he hears the news, he he doubts. Like, how can this be? I'm too old. My wife is too old. And, um, you know, Zachariah doubted the, the angel's message. And yet God meets him there in his doubt. He kind of asks for a sign. He kind of says, how can I be sure of Prove this? It. Prove it. And... The angel does, you know, the angel says you will not be able to speak until your son is born. Now, sometimes when we read this, it kind of feels, it sounds a bit like a reprimand or punishment. And I think in some ways it is a bit like uh, a reprimand. And yet I think there's also pretty interesting invitation here to Zechariah as the angel reveals something that is impossible in in Zechariah's frame of reference. And he has all these questions and and wondering how this is going to happen. You know, the angel says, you know, you you just need to be silent until this happens. Yeah. Do you ever find that your mouth gets in the way of your understanding? (laughs) Like we're so quick to speak that we can't just take in the moment or the things happening. I think it's what's happening Mm -hmm. in his story. And so uh, whether it be a punishment or a blessing to him, he'll be silent for a season. You know, this year I I got a couple of new Advent um, devotional books that I'm really enjoying. And one of them is Silence and Other Surprising Invitations of Advent by Un. Enuma Okoro. Sorry if I butcher that name. Um, but she speaks to this and I wanted to read this quote from, from her book. She says, what if God was offering Zachariah nine months to sit 
with the news, to ponder God's words mm-hmm. and to pros- process the stupefied awe in which he found, he surely found himself. What if the time of formal silence was God granting Zechariah the gift of some necessary internal solitude in preparation to receive the miracle and to dwell on God's faithfulness. So here, I, I wonder that too. For nine months, Zachariah is invited to, a bit forcefully, but invited to contemplate and ponder the fact that God can do the impossible. I like the thought because, I mean, thank God for the times in life when my mind is stilled, when I am silent and get to really experience and take in what God is doing in a moment. And that's the story of what he'll be experiencing in the season. And so Elizabeth becomes pregnant. And this is a beautiful answer to prayer. And on multiple levels, Mm -hmm. in the life of an individual, she describes her experience as disgrace among my people. The fact that she couldn't bear children in this community, in this culture, was disgraceful. And so she felt the weight of that in the community in which she lives. And God sees her hurt. And as she becomes pregnant, she recognizes God for this. You have seen me. You care for me in this uh, in this disgrace. So God is very gracious to and uh, kind to uh, Elizabeth in this story. But in the broader story of what God is doing in the world, his covenant with Israel and his promise that through you, Israel, will come blessing to the whole world. And his here, Israel, finds itself crippled in a vassal state under Rome and God, when and where will you come? This is the beginning of the story of Jesus coming, of the Messiah coming. John, who will prepare the way for him, is coming into this world. So God is answering prayers in the lives of individuals and in the story of humanity. It's not by accident that John's name means Yahweh is gracious. Mm -hmm. He is being gracious Mm -hmm. here. So the end of the story, or at least what we'll read today, continuing on in verse 57. When it was time for Elizabeth to have her baby, she gave birth to a son. Her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown her great mercy and they shared her joy. On the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child and they were going to name him after his father, Zechariah. But his mother spoke up and said, no, he is to be called John. They said to her, there's no one among your relatives who has that name. Then they made signs to his father to find out what he would like the name to name the child. And he asked for a writing tablet. And to everyone's astonishment, he wrote, his name is John. Immediately, his mouth was opened and his tongue set free. He began to speak, praising God. All the neighbors were filled with awe and throughout the hill country of Judea, people were talking about all these things. Everyone who heard this wondered about it, asking, what then is this child going to be? For the Lord's hand was with him. What is this child going to be? It's interesting that this is a question they ask. Zachariah, who had been told who this child will be, has been silent now for nine months. And it's fascinating the way this story plays out to me. Uh, He's unable to speak. There's some debate over what they'll name the child because naturally you name the child a family name and John was not one of those. And so he's asked, what will you? And he writes down very succinctly, clearly, His name is John, end of story. And it's in that that he receives 
his speech back. The man who had received this vision and knew who this child will be now gets to begin to share with his friends, his neighbors, his community, what God is doing in this moment in the birth of a man named John. What an interesting story of of two people waiting, waiting on God their whole life. You know, Zachariah and Elizabeth, they prayed for a child. They grew old past their childbearing years. They continued to pray and yet probably didn't expect to have a child at that point in their, their, in, in their advanced years. So what's interesting to me, so this is a story of waiting and now the Israelites are in another season of waiting as they wait for mm-hmm. for the Messiah to come. And it's interesting as we talk about waiting and, and waiting specifically in Advent, we look at the example of what Zechariah and Elizabeth, what did they do as they were waiting? What did they do throughout their life? And it strikes me that they stayed faithful mm-hmm. to God as they continued to pray and they did not hear or receive the answer they wanted to from God as they were praying when they were younger in their life. And yet they chose to remain faithful to God. The text says they were righteous and they observed all of the Lord's commands and decrees, even when they didn't understand why things were happening the way they did and their prayer wasn't answered the way they wanted it to be answered they remained faithful and God met them there in that season of waiting. I think there's such a good lesson in there for us. So in this first week of Advent, we're reminded of hope. And hope is not simply optimism. Mm -hmm. Hope is a confident expectation and trust in God. Hope is based upon God and his character. It's based upon his character of goodness and love in this world. It's based upon Jesus, uh, his, his sacrifice and his resurrection, his promise to us of new life. Hope is based on the Spirit's present, active work in our lives. And so with confidence in this season of Advent, we lean into hope this confident expectation of what is God is doing. And so we're curious, what does it look like in your life in this season to uh, wait expectantly? Sarah and I went through a season of that years ago. Um, I was working as a youth pastor and Sarah was a teacher. And uh, we knew that God was leading us towards a next step, something new in life. We had a very clear sense that it it was time to begin moving and yet didn't have clarity Mm -hmm. on what the next step looked like. And um, amazingly, that season lasted a couple of years in our lives. And God sent us here and there. I, Mm -hmm. I, I took part-time work doing other things in addition to youth ministry, and it felt like failures. And we kept wondering and waiting, but didn't give up hope, knowing that God had something in store. It's fascinating to look back now and see how in those years God was in fact equipping us for the moment when he made clear to us he was inviting us to church planting. And now six years later, here we are getting together and celebrate who God is and what he's doing. It was a season in life in which There was confusion and chaos, and yet there was hope. 
There was this confident expectation that God is inviting us to something new. Here in the season of Advent, and this week particularly, you're invited to consider that there is hope, that we can live confident and expectantly, even in the chaos that may surround in this moment. I love that. I was watching a Bible project video this week on on the word hope in the Bible, and they used a phrase that just struck me when I heard it. They used the phrase, uh, the habit of hope, the habit of hope. And it it made me Mm. really think about how hope is a posture that we choose. Mm -hmm. It's something that that we are intentional. We are invited to hope and we get to decide what and how we're going to hope in God. And so I want to ask us today, as as part of our invitation, what are ways in which we can cultivate hope in our spiritual journey right now? What are ways in which we can choose to hope? And when I look at the story of Zachariah and Elizabeth, um, I, I see someone, people who prayed and waited expectantly on God. And when we are, we are invited to pray and we're invited to anticipate God working in powerful, amazing ways, God bringing about good. Now, having said that, that doesn't mean God's going to answer our prayers in the ways we want him to exactly. It's not like we get to set the plan and say, okay, God, now you come and do this. You come and bless this. That It goes the other way around. We are invited to join God where he is already working, to join God in his overall mission to bring healing and restoration to his good creation. And so we're invited to pray and to hope in God, to expect him confidently expect him to be true to his nature of goodness and love, and he will work um, out things for, for good. And we're also invited in a, in the season of waiting, like Zachariah and Elizabeth, to stay faithful to God. As we're not sure what's happening next, even in that, to stay yielded to God and remain true to God, partnering with God where he is bringing about healing and restoration. So we invite you with us to Mm -hmm. lean into a posture of hope in this world with all the crazy going on around (laughs) us. We are invited to know hope because hope is found in the character of God. Mm -hmm. This confident expectation, knowing that Jesus has come and Jesus is coming. Jesus is our hope and he has come into the world and he is alive. So we choose a posture Mm -hmm. of hope. So with that invitation, we invite you to pray with us. Dear God, we thank you for who you are, that you are a God of love and goodness. Lord, we thank you that you invite us to know you and to walk with you. Lord, today we thank you for the hope that we have in you. The the confident expectation that you indeed are present, that you indeed are working in our lives, in our community, and in this world. And so, Lord, we ask you to help us in this season of Advent, in this season of waiting, to be prayerful and expectant, um, hoping in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So I'll close out with this brief benediction then. Uh, May we wait expectantly. May we recognize the hope that is found in Jesus. 
That is Jesus who came and who is coming. Friends, we hope you have a blessed week and can't wait to see you again soon. Bye-bye. Bye, everyone.